Mofax with Adam Curry for December 16th, 2019. This is episode number 18. Hey, Mo. How you doing, Adam? I am doing good, man. I missed you last week. I know, man. It's, life comes at you fast and hard, but we're back in the saddle. Yeah, we did. Uh, I was uh, all over the world, you know, throwing people in ovens. <laughs> 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 that's a bad joke <laughs> yeah yeah it's a pretty bad joke uh but we are back and a lot of people were jonesing man they're like oh where's how come well, i need more facts and he said more facts we've got them hooked now if we can just get them to realize that this is a value for value proposition and people need to support the show that would be even better so uh, do check out mofax.com or go to mofundme.com m-o-e fundme.com and as always, I am super excited to find out what you've lined up for us today, Mo. So first of all, for the people that have contributed and supported, um, I would like to say thank you. I haven't got back to the emails. I like to send personally send out emails thanking people mm-hmm. uh, just so they don't feel like it's a form, like responding back to them. So I'm a little behind on that, but I appreciate all the well wishes and wondering where we're at. And while we were apart, Miss Kamala Harris exits the 2020 race. <laughs> yes, she does. So the Democratic playing field just lost another candidate. Senator Kamala Kamala Harris announced she's suspending her campaign. Here's what she said about it. It is with deep regret, but also with deep gratitude that I am suspending our campaign today. But I want to be clear with you. I am still very much in this fight. And I will keep fighting every day for what this campaign has been about. Justice for the people. All the people. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a, a dark day. Kamala dropped out, Mo. I, I didn't know what to do. I danced a little jig. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the, the tone no, is set. <laughs> to, to, give, to, to give a little history... Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, and my stepping into the podcasting or commentating, uh, aligned because I, I'll tell the story just shortly, briefly, but with the Jussie Smullett is how I started voicing what I've seen, what I saw and kind of predicting how it happened. And you know, that the whole, uh, anti-litching bill, and her role in that, um, uh, the Justice Smollett yes, 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 is what yes. kind of pulled me out of the shadows and <laughs> to have a public voice. Yeah, this is true. Both uh, Kamala Harris had an anti-lynching bill, which felt kind of like an anachronism anyway in this day and age, but it was a literal mm-hmm. anti-lynching bill. Cory Booker was all in on it. And yep. the, the coincidence of the Jesse Smollett uh, so-called lynching and that bill was not something to be overlooked. Yes, and and this is how I got MoFats got started, and now we're here today. Uh, we did a show previously on um, Kamala Harris and Charlemagne the Guard talking <laughs> yes. about how the um, apparatus, the media apparatus, was protecting Kamala and how she was really the. She was really the chosen one for 2020, and she blew it. Yeah, and and she uh, and right out of the gate with the debate, she immediately attacked the front runner, Joe Biden. And I think what happened is uh, Tulsi Gabbard slipped in there and that threw her off mm-hmm. balance, it looks like. Yeah, but it started way before then. Uh, so this show we're going to investigate and uh, expose the whole campaign from beginning to end. Nice. Uh, 
So I'm um, using the view as a backdrop just from the beginning here. <laughs> and, because... and why not use the view for some historical context? <laughs> it's, it's, it's such actually, a great show. I love it. And it's a great uh, jumping off point because you had nothing but women and she was being the top woman, uh, female candidate. If, uh, if you want to say um, Elizabeth Warren, maybe it's a coin toss between those two. But just the, the different pockets of support on that show, I find very interesting. So Miss Sunny Hostin was a bit upset over Kamala dropping out. My biggest issue was her. I didn't think that she connected to voters as well as she could have. That moment, I brought this up yesterday, that moment in the debate where she went after Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. um, she thought that was her big moment, and a lot of the media talked about that as being a big moment for her. I thought that just totally fell flat. And if anything, it did the opposite of what she was hoping it would well, do. Well, it did, eventually, yeah. Ultimately. It didn't help her. I- I'm not surprised at all by this, frankly. If you're not winning your home state, you probably shouldn't be winning for president. Um, it didn't fall flat for me. Um, I think she spoke to a lot of the issues um, that mattered to me. Um, I was uh, disappointed, actually, that she um, dropped out and had to suspend her campaign. And I, I think that, um, you know, there's no question that there were obviously problems with her um, campaign. I think there were obviously financial problems. But I don't think that you can look at that uh, without also looking at the fact that as a woman of color, um, she also faced unprecedented sexism compounded by racism as well <laughs> as, as a, a female candidate of color. And I think it's just surprising that there are people that are still in the race um, facing um, issues th- that are still in the race. Yeah, this wasn't deconstructed much in the mainstream. Uh, I saw some, of course, some Fox News people were doing it. But to say mm-hmm. that uh, sexism and racism... Uh, was part of the demise of her campaign is to call Democrats, because that's what this is, it's a preliminary, it's to, to see who's going to be the nominee, it was basically calling Democratic voters uh, racist and sexist. Racist. Yeah. Yes. And and it's the combination. You see, you see, it's the combination because you still have Cory Booker hanging on for dear life. Right. And he's black. Allegedly, and you have um, <laughs> and you have. He's probably um, the only ADOS guy around, to be honest. He's he's got he got something going on. And then you have Elizabeth Warren, which is the female, and then you have a- uh, Amy Klobuchar, which is a female. So to make the excuse, and this was very uh, Hillary esque. Yes. Uh, the whole excuse making. I mean, soon as she announced, they had the canned excuses ready. Mm-hmm. And why she didn't win, uh, and it was very reminiscent of of 2016 when Hillary lost it to Trump. Right. Uh, so the ladies at the View, they start to get a little catty. Uh, for example, Amy um, Klobuchar, we had her on our show just this week. She's yeah. polling lower than Kamala Harris, and she's a former prosecutor. So how do you explain that? Why is she still there and, and Kamala's not? I, 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 I would say statistical numbers, though, are trending upwards and Kamala's was trending but also, downwards. How do you actually, it was significant. Actually, oh. but if you look at if you look at the polling that was just that was just done that. yesterday, Kamala um, had five percent of the vote, a national poll. It put her in sixth place. Amy Klobuchar and Tulsi Gabbard had two percent. 
percent. The poll had Andrew Yang at four percent. Even today, um, there is a poll that has her had Harris at six percent. She's been steady, actually not trending downward. But maybe um, she has less so money. Does she have actually, less money than Amy? What is that? Does she have less difference. money than Amy? Finish, please. She, she may be <laughs> have less. I'm actually between... not finished speaking, but that's fine. Does she have less Ooh. money than Amy? Then uh, Kamala. Forget it. Well, that's Joy Behar, my favorite, in the background. And she's asking the right question. Does she have any money? That I mean, that was why she had to shut down. I presume campaign shut down because they're out of money. And what's the strange part about this is you would think Kamala and money would not be the issue. Right. Going into this election, she was touted as the Silicon Valley she, um, yes, she would have candidate. She not only that, I, I think she was a Soros sister to some degree. You'd, <laughs> <laughs> of, the uh, highest, of the highest order. Yeah, she, yeah, exactly. She was the the big dog on campus. So you know, thank thank you for bringing this up because I don't know if if you have any answers to this. But what happened? Did the money just dry up, or there was speculation she was doing this to become a VP? And maybe even that she would be Biden's VP. There was a lot of different speculation rumors going around. Well, money can't buy love. That's the problem. And and the love that she needed was from the black vote. Right. And she sucked at getting that was the whole. Okay, Kamala was constructed to be Obama 2.0. Correct. The whole blueprint. She she checked all the boxes and she even had one uh, thing that Obama couldn't have and that's being a female. Yeah. So they're like this was it was like kind of you just show up she I think she thought she could just show up and the nomination was hers uh, because she could just thought she was going to bring out the black vote but that wasn't necessarily the case and we're going to get into that more of the construction of Kamala Harris and what kind of candidate she was, but I want to get back to the cattiness a little bit. Yes, please. <laughs> Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Yeah. To say that this country has not proven the opposite of what you're saying, I think, is is factually wrong. Well, so when you, perhaps at there's, some point, there's... you got to look in the mirror as a candidate and say, you know what, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm struggling to connect to the voters. Maybe I am not giving them what they want to hear. Well, actually, um, Abby, I, I think that there's there's just no question that we did have a black president twice, and and I, I think that's wonderful. But I think the election of President Trump is is may prove my point. It may prove my point because we're in a very divisive place, I'm and not I sure think what when you're you, trying to make when you have well, a lot of Trump, the fact that Trump is there could be a reaction to a black president. Do yes, you think that's, of that? that's that's the point. I think that's far fetched. Really? I think it's, really? I, I, no, I think it comes back. If you're on the Democratic side, if you're running for president, I think you have one thing that you're supposed to do that is convince the voters to vote for you. Wow, there's, they're confused over there at the View. It was white lash, Abby. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the argument Sonny is making. It was it was white lash. Um But how can she say this? So and, and somehow uh, Trump is responsible for Democrats hating black people? Is that the idea? It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all, but there's Sonny is a huge Kamala fan. Yes. Huge huge uh and they i was reading the socials 
And you should have seen some of the conspiracy theories that were floating around of why oh. Kamala dropped out of the race. Okay. It was, I mean, it it was going like um, All right, so here white Twitter. <laughs> uh-huh. My my hood was Oh, clearly this is some deal. She's going to be vice president. Uh, she's going to, she's working uh, behind the scenes. Uh, maybe yeah. that's, that's what I heard about Kamala. AG as well. AG was the other one. She's going to be the AG. Oh, AG. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I did hear that one. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. But they, I think it caught her fans, and I'm going to use that word correctly, fans off guard because they thought they could limp into South Carolina, really make waves with the black vote, and show their worth. Now, th- there was uh, there was one other data point I'm just remembering now. Mm-hmm. Um, people were leaving her campaign, and they were writing public letters of, rec- of resignation and saying it's a mess and there's no leadership. And then I think right after one of her main boots-on-the-ground campaign managers left for Bernie, I believe, that's when it, it was, all uh, was it Bloomberg. Bernie? Oh, Bloomberg. I'm sorry. Bloomberg. Yeah, that's when it all started to fall apart. And it was fifty five zero uh, unnamed sources. Oh, <laughs> but Sonny wasn't trying to hear that because it was continued on. And 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 where I clipped this from, they they this that topic came up, and she wasn't trying to hear that. Like unnamed sources. I mean, like oh, now the unnamed sources. The, don't mean anything. I mean, we've been well, of course <laughs> for the last three years. We've been <laughs> yeah. going off unnamed sources, but all of a sudden now, yes, people f- familiar with the matter. Anything. Yeah, people familiar with the matter. Yes. So, what I was alluding to before was Kamala Harris, and I, I don't think anybody used this term before. Was the intersectionality candidate? She was qu- like a quilt. Put it together. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we talked about this even, I think. Yes, she was the intersectionality yeah. candidate. Yes. She so had she's all, the, all the, all the, she ticked all the boxes, man. Yeah, black, female, uh, smart, accomplished. Yeah. But, but a feminist, seen as a feminist, uh, smart, but tough, uh, with a little splash of Indian. Uh, she, I mean, she, she had it all. I mean, she was everything to everybody, similar to Obama. When yeah, you looked at him, yep, yep. everything to everybody, but it was the multi, multi candidate of the future. But that, well, just like a quilt, it's only strong as the threads that hold it together. So what we're going to talk about now is I have a little background from Miss Kimberly Crenshaw, and she's the actually, actually the creator of the term intersectionality, and she's going to explain that for us. Intersectionality is just a metaphor for understanding the ways that multiple forms of inequality or disadvantage sometimes compound themselves, and they create obstacles that often are not understood within conventional ways of thinking about anti-racism or feminism or whatever social justice advocacy structures we have. Intersectionality isn't so much a grand theory. It's a prism for understanding certain kinds of problems. Hmm. So she created the term, but she can't clearly define it. <laughs> I was going to so, say, <laughs> did I miss something or did I just not quite understand what she was saying? Basically, it's something no. you never think of. It's not logical and it's hard to understand, but it's the problem. So as I always do, I dig for uh, definitions from both sides of the spectrum. And from the right-hand side or the more conservative side, 
I went to one Mr. Ben Shapiro <laughs> to uh, to define intersectionality for us. Good. 42 seconds and he'll do a minute's worth of talking. You probably think <laughs> your opinions matter. You probably think you're an individual with unique experiences, thoughts, and ambitions. Well, I hate to break it to you, but according to current leftist orthodoxy, you're wrong. You see, your opinion only matters relative to your identity and where that identity ranks on the hierarchy of intersectionality. If you're now thinking... What the hell are you talking about? You haven't spent much time on a modern college campus. Intersectionality is a form of identity politics in which the value of your opinion depends on how many victim groups you belong to. At the bottom of the totem pole is the person everybody loves to hate, the straight white male. (laughs) And who's at the top? Well, it's very hard to say because new groups claim victim status all the time. No one can keep track. (laughs) Well, at least I know where I am. That's the good news. I'm, I'm one rung up on that ladder from you, sir. <laughs> so don't feel too bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> one rung up without the privilege. So I'm really, so really screwed. <laughs> I'm happy but, for you, Mo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what intersectionality is from the from the conservative side. Is like kind of like the victim Olympics. Yeah. Uh, who who can claim the most? Uh, Sadness. Who has the most merit badges? <laughs> yeah. Merit like, badges. It's yes. <laughs> a good so, way of looking uh, at it. So he goes on to uh, further define or explain how the intersectionality works within the group. How does this intersectionality thing play out? Something like this. Let's say you're a gay white woman. Your opinion matters, but less than that of a gay black woman. Why? Because while all women are oppressed by the patriarchy and all gays are oppressed by the heterosexual majority, blacks have a victim status that whites obviously don't. Of course, a gay black woman's victim status is less than that of a black trans woman who ranks below a black Muslim trans woman, and so on. The more memberships you can claim in oppressed groups, the more aggrieved you are and the higher you rank. Get it? Good. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It is merit badges. But hold on a second. Kamala Hmm? Harris had a lot of merit badges. Yes, yes, it did. But she, uh, she was a jack of all trades. But you know, was that king of none? Yeah, or jack, how, jack how, of how, all. How did that statement go? Jack of all trades, master of none. Master of none. Yes. So that was her problem. She had almost too many merit badges to be loyal to one, one thing. She had all the badges. Couldn't sell the cookies. Couldn't sell the cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got it. So. We had to figure out how do we get here? Why did the Democrats feel like they needed a intersectionality candidate? So we have to go back to 2016. Uh, Ms. Simone Sanders, who yes. currently works for uh, Bernie, isn't she with Joe Bernie? Biden? Oh, no, Joe Biden. I'm so confused. She was with Bernie she before. Worked, she worked with Bernie yes. in 2016, right? Yeah. Yes. She's going to tell us uh, about the Democratic leadership. Howard Dean, you know, Howard Dean was there for that 50-state strategy, but here's the issue. Howard Dean is also on record maligning young people and millennials, telling those Bernie folks they just need to get in line, and maligning Bernie Sanders. And that is not what we need, in my opinion. We don't need white people leading the Democratic Party right now. The Democratic Party is diverse, and it should be reflected as so in our leadership and throughout the, the staff at the, top, at the highest levels, from the vice chairs to the secretaries, all the way down to the people working in the offices at the DNC. I think we need to have a robust discussion about this. And I think we need to hear more from all the candidates. Jamie Harris in the South Carolina, he 
he's great too. He has done real party building, but everybody doesn't necessarily know Jamie, and they want to know what it is that he stands for. So yeah. I want to hear more from everybody. I'm here for the millennials and the brown folks. <laughs> You know, she she could easily, I think, be a topic for another show. I find her very intriguing. She rubs <laughs> me the wrong way. I'll tell you that right off the bat. But she's very not intriguing. She's very intriguing. She's a very interesting character. And it's amazing how she clamors for uh, non-white male representation. But her two <laughs> candidates she's worked on old white is, dudes. is white males. <laughs> yeah, that I'm, is interesting. A lot of these people, they talk out their side of their neck. They, they don't even believe what they say. Uh, if you really think about what she just said, she said that they need to have non-white male uh, representation. And coming out of tw- 2016, I'm going to make this very clear. Everybody listen before they get triggered. The black female political class overinflated their worth to Democratic Party. We You're, talked about this on a previous show. You mean their worth? They are in, very in, important. In size of, the, of, of number of votes, you mean? Well, I'm talking about the political class. I'm talking about the pundits. I'm talking about ah, the candidates. Ah, 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 I got you. Those people. Yeah. Because you need the vote. You And that's what the political class thought they could deliver up to the Democratic Party, which made Kamala the front runner for 2020, which made black women come out of 2016 like, see, this is why you need us. Right. Uh, Talking about the political class. And they only were further emboldened by 2018 when they had the special election in Mississippi Mm -hmm. and the Democratic Party lauded them with all the praise. And I said this before and I'll say it again, kind of stroked their ego. And that's why it's so hard now that the carriage has turned back to a pumpkin. <laughs> and, you know, with um, Simone Sanders, to me, you know, she talks this big game, but you're right. The only two candidates she's worked for that I know of is um, uh, Biden and uh, Bloomberg. Bernie. Uh, uh, Bernie and, uh, and Bloomberg. I'm sorry. Was she just a token to be in there, kind of like, well, you know, you'll handle the black vote? Do you think, is that the vibe you got about her, about her role? I'm going to say this. That's what a lot of their jobs are. And people can get pissed off about it, but it's like, to the Democratic Party, if you can't bring the black vote, what good are you? That's the problem why Kamala Harris is out of the race right now. They're looking at her like, you had one job. <laughs> just, be fe- you. just be female and black. Can you do that, please? That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Because our apparatus yeah. will bring you half the country yeah. just by natural how politics work. Right. But what we need you to do is bring that 90, 92, 3% black vote, uh, get it, their turnout back to 66%, down from 59 in 2016. We need you to give us that 7% uptick and we got this thing. And what she did was not only not be able to deliver the 67%, she might've made it worse. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that even more, but now we come to the part of the show where we really have to go back (laughs) and we have to talk about the boule. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> a, a word often used around the Curry household. So with the boule, we have to clearly define it and we have to go back to the source. The man that broke it to the, the uh, knowledge of this clandestine group to the average black man, Mr. Steve Coakley. And uh, we have now uh, stepped forward to have a discussion about the black male secret society known as Sigma Pi Phi, uh, acronym the Boule, B-O-U-L-E. Uh, we will do our best to show you the information related to the Boule. Uh, that's what this lecture is about. I could give the entire lecture and quote every inch of the documentation without looking at it. I know them that well. But this is my responsibility, my night, to show you the information so that you could look at it with me and double affirm the fact that much of our black press, as much as we like it, has not been honest in talking about this group of black men, for they respect it very highly and never speak negatively against it. Well, that would be the same collusion we see with all elites in the media. Of course, it's not going to be discussed. So he goes even further <clears throat> in the second clip that we have. When we talk about Boulay, we're not just talking about the uh, one fraternity that he listed, the Sigma Pi Phi. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about it's a broad network of different groups, similar to the Illuminati. I mean, you have the Council of Formulation, you have the Trilateral Commission, you have, I mean, you have just these different groups that are interconnected by the membership of those groups that form this web. It's the same way in the black community. Uh, and that being the Greek fraternities and sororities that make up the quote-unquote larger group of the boule. And all the Greeks, the Alpha, the Kappa, the Omega, and the... And the and the Sigma. Sigma, show you right. The AKA, the Zeta, the Sigma, Gamma, Rho, and the Delta. They will all be informed publicly. Please do not have a public manifestation of the Greek thing. Don't have a big dinner. Don't have a big reception. Don't put it in the paper that you're coming. Because I suggest to you that we're going to start to visit you at your things. That's right. And ask you to prove your Greek thing on the spot. So we make a suggestion that we're in the process of penetrating a group of circles. And that these circles are webs which are numerous organizations just beyond the boule. So Mo, remind remind us again who Steve Coakley is. Steve Coakley, he um he was, he's passed away now, was a uh futurologist. Uh he commented extensively on water conservation, organic farming, and communal living. He gave over 5,000 lectures on the topic of global warming. No, oh, he's corporate a corporate conspiracy. Oh, he's a denier. He's a denier. <laughs> a denier. Uh, and he, he, he really spoke about the Bilderberg group, the Rothschilds, oh, okay. the Rockefellers. Oh, and uh, what he's claimed to fame is the Boulay. I mean, because he's. Joe, Mo, why don't you say he's the Black Alex Jones? That's what he is. 
<laughs> he just needs a megaphone. <laughs> okay, and, good, 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 good. And he he's the one that really broke the news of the boule to the consciousness. And I had this, I made this point before. A lot of this information was captured on VHS tapes and these small meetings, you know, in back of black bookstores. Mm-hmm. But when you had YouTube come about, it gave it a platform where it could spread like wildfire. Right. Mainly the old VH, uh, VHS stuff that he had. That was just being repurposed. Yes. And that's yeah. how it caught up to modern day times. I uh-huh. mean, I think when he was doing this, this was like the late 80s, early 90s yeah. when he was giving these speeches. But when YouTube came about and when people started really getting into conspiracy theories and the mm-hmm. uh, Illuminati you start searching these things and it became more common knowledge. And that's how I think that's why the boule is really having slippage with their control mechanism that they have over the black community because information is the counter to control. Exactly. So, uh, these people have been crowned. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, So, um, the reason why I bring up the boule is not only did she have the feminist backing, she had the uh, corporate uh, uh, Silicon Valley backing. She also had the boule backing. So, I mean, it it, it was a perf- perfect combo. Perfect combo. All the elements were there. She had everything. Because even Obama didn't have the boule backing. And the reason why I say the boule backing is she was a member of uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha, which is a... Uh, Black sorority, on female sorority. Okay. I mean, that's a uh, that was uh, redundant, but yeah, she's a, a black sorority, and she had the, uh, as I say again, she had the backing of all her Greek brothers and sisters, which make up the boule, and you can hear this support by Mister Benjamin Crump introducing her at the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Inc. Uh, conference. When my six-year-old daughter, Brooklyn Zeta Crump, asked me, Daddy, can a woman be the president of the United States? I can look at her from the bottom of my heart and say, yes, you can. Because Senator Kamala Harris is now blazing the trail to make this a real possibility for you and all the beautiful little princesses all over America. And for that, we all applaud you, Senator Harris. So that is why at this leadership conference, where we are focused on civic engagement and leadership in the community that I'm excited and appreciative that the senator has asked me to advise her campaign on criminal justice reform to better serve our community. Okay, Ben Crump, a lawyer. Uh, we discussed him on the show before. Ah, yes, his association with George Zimmerman, mm-hmm. the, the Tra- Trayvon, Trayvon Martin. Martin. Okay, the, right, the, right, uh, right, right, uh, right. Botham, the Botham John, yes. uh, shooting. He was. I was saying he's all the major. He shows cop, up. 
killings. He's, yeah, he he's, shows up. He's yeah. in the background. Gotcha. But it's funny now he's willing to work work, work with the prosecutor. <laughs> uh, Whereas on, he's fought, he's fought against that. He's fought against law enforcement as a seeker of justice, and now he's yes. all in. Hmm, interesting. It's it's very interesting. So we see how these uh these groups make strange bedfellows. But I'll let Mr. Crump continue in clip two. But it's not just me. She's excited to hear from all of us on how we can better repair a criminal justice system that disproportionately, and Lord knows I know, disproportionately affects our community. I hope that you will join me in supporting her and advising her and being open and honest with her on how to make this criminal justice system treat our children more fairly. You see, she's somebody who will listen. We have a lot of leaders who talk down to us, but Senator Kamala Harris will talk to us. And that's so important in these days and times. So you can hear him already doing uh, cleanup for her criminal justice past. Oh, yes, of course, of course. And her uh, prosecutor past. So that's why he's like, she'll listen to us and please be honest with her. And I mean, it just keeps going on and on. But it's which was which was part of her. And now we need to bring it up. It was part of her downfall. Uh, it was. And that was the the Tulsi Gabbard attack. Was hey man, you put all these uh, all these black guys predominantly in jail for weed, and then you went on uh, the Charlemagne the Guard show, and uh, you were laughing about smoking weed, even though you were lying because you were all off with your dates of album releases, etc. Well, what Tulsi did was just put dirt on the casket. <laughs> Kamala was a Kamala was a dead woman walking. Uh, metaphorically, <laughs> I say that because out the gate, her uh, her campaign was uh, torpedoed. Uh, but let's just listen to Mr. Crump and his final clip uh, on Kamala. Brothers and sisters, I introduce to you this trailblazer, this history maker. This lady of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, this fighter, this front runner, this visionary leader, this shero to all little girls across America, especially little girls of color, the senator from the great state of California, my friend, none other than Senator Kamala Harris, the next. President, <laughs> a shero. She, she's a shero. I hadn't heard that one. I like shero. <laughs> shero. Shero. Okay. So she had all the backing. She got all the Greek backing. She. I mean, they're all they're they're all in for it because they know they're like this thing is ready to go. It's like we, it's we, like Mo. We, if you and I were running this campaign, we'd be like, "What did we do wrong? We had everything in place, all the pieces of the puzzle." That's why it was such a kick in the stomach for her to resign because it was unbelievable. Even if she struggled out the out the gate, it was always a belief. Oh, we can we can correct this thing. Or if we just get to South Carolina, I'll keep bringing up South Carolina because South Carolina 
is the litmus test for the black vote. And why, uh, and, why, you, and why is this? I'm I'm not familiar with this. Because it has a huge black uh, population, and it's one of the first Democratic uh, primaries in a large African African in a state with a large African African American. I can't even say the words <laughs> African American um, population. population. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So it's like they take the litmus test and say, okay, this is because it is our vote, whether we realize it or not. It's very valuable to the Democratic Party. Right. We don't realize that. And that's my hope. I'm going to drum. I'm going to beat this drum until you're saying until it won't be anymore. That's why we have to barter our vote for what our demands are. And that's how politics work. But Kamala. She she makes her announcement at Howard University, her alma mater, uh, and she's surrounded by all her sisters from the AKA, and the View covers it. I'm sorry, sorry, the AKA. Yes, that's Alpha. Kappa, oh, oh, Alpha. that's her, that's her uh, sorority. Okay, sorority. Yes. <laughs> oh, the View. Of course, they're all over it. Diversity in the media is a hot topic, shockingly, after White House uh, Washington Post reporter Chelsea Janes covered Senator Kamala Harris's speech at Harris's alma mater at Howard University. Now, the speech was attended by the AKA sorority that Harris pledged in college, who gave her their trademark ski call. And it prompted the reporter... Uh, to tweet, members of her Howard sorority are in the room and screeched when she mentioned her time there. Did not expect to hear screeches there. (laughs) She was immediately kind of called out on social media for not knowing about the skiwee. So the question is, was she the right person to cover the event? Was Was the reporter the right person to cover the event? Is that the question? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> they had the wrong shill. <laughs> didn't follow didn't follow the memo. That was that was a demand. That was a you need to have black coverage of our black candidate. Uh that that's what this message was being sent. Uh you're not culturally uh, knowledgeable. You're just doing it wrong. These... You're just doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> you don't. And that, and that, and and this was the constant flexing of the political class, uh, boule class, saying they they really were just like uh really flexing their muscles and and making demands. Uh, so much so. So now we have Sonny from the original clip, the one that's very perturbed and um uh pissed off. Yeah. about Kamala losing, this is when Kamala made her first made her uh, announcement and listen to what she has to say about it. I mean, to put it into context, right, I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Today is uh. our Founders Day. That's why I'm wearing a sweatshirt that says 1908. <laughs> I thought that was um, you were born for a second. Yeah, no, 1908 <laughs> is when we were founded. Uh, today is our Founders Day. We were founded 111 years ago. We're the first black so sorority that was founded. That was not a great one because my voice is. And, and what was shocking to me was if you are the reporter following Kamala Harris, then at Howard University, where our sorority was founded, you should know that she's a member. You should know that that, our, that is our sorority call. She that we that, were right? pink and green. She did know that. Well, she must not have. It sound, I thought right? you said she just didn't know the screech. 
Um, I, I don't know. She said Whatever members of her sorority. I mean, you Skiwi. would think Skiwi. Yes, Kiwis are called. I could see where you might not know that little detail. I mean, not every reporter knows every single thing. But the no? entire room is doing it. I, I remember just to try to. I mean, this is something that I think you should know. Michelle Obama is an AKA. I mean, this is not oh. rocket science. Oh. And the interesting thing is, and the reason there is an AKA is because black women weren't allowed to join white sororities in 1908. Oh, this is fascinating. Okay, let me give you uh, an analogy for the screech. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first time you go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, no, I don't know if you've ever been, Mo, but you go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, and the first time, and everyone goes through this, you hear, wow, man, they're booing him. Oh, my God, they're booing him, but they're not. They're saying, Bruce, Bruce. And if you don't know, then you don't know. And then you can misinterpret that. So this reporter went, and I have to say, if you're going to cover the Bruce Springsteen of uh, black politics, female black politics, you should know mm-hmm. what the screech is about for sure. I will have to give her a pass for the simple fact. I'm sure she knew she was a member of AKA, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it was jarring to hear a room full of women. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 oh yeah. No, if 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 you're a reporter and you're and you're reporting on Bruce Springsteen and you don't know that going in, then you're then you're an idiot. Then you haven't done your homework. So the, that goes for this reporter as well. Because at least you could associate Bruce with a boo. It's like something that you, <laughs> you know, they're booing. Yeah. But if you just see a room full of women start screeching, yeah. uh, and if you notice, um, Whoopi had to correct. Joy, because Joy says screech too. Yes. And she's like, no, 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 ski wee. Because they don't want, trust me, these women have power. Mm-hmm. And if I come up missing next week, uh, you know where to start looking. <laughs> I'm going straight to Michelle Obama right off the bat. Hey, hey, what you doing with my man? <laughs> and, and just to make so, sure, uh, I just want to reiterate, Mo is not thinking of suicide. He's uh, isn't of sound mind. He does not want I'm to very disappear. Happy. Very happy man. <laughs> I don't have a hot tub and I don't fly in no small, small I, I, no aircraft. small planes. Not good idea. No, don't go canoeing around D.C. OK, good. We're, we're straight. <laughs> So you can see that she had the boule support. Yeah. Now, this is an oldie but goodie, but we have to, it's part of the, the, the fabric of this quilt of Kamala Harris was the black box claim. Oh, yes. That, uh, with, uh, that was on Joy Reid. Oh, that's this clip. There we go. So yes. it's the indication that they are op- they are someone who was born and uh, you know as as a descendant in the United States who is representing Black America and has the the the, the vernacular and the language uh, that people would believe is, is someone who's a part of our community who's either debating about Camilla or debating about Booker because that's who just announced and and trying to say we know who's the most uh, you know who's who's Black in America and 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 making sure that they are you know sort of talking. In this vernacular that makes it look like that they are in Our support. Black American. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I, mean I, I did see a huge uptick in bot activity when it came to when Kamala Harris announced. <laughs> it's like it, it just dropped like a bomb. It just happened really quickly. And she was accused of being not a re, not really black. Not, a not really black. Like, and and that kept going. You could, you could see that happening. But actually, there was an uptick of those bots just before she was uh, about to announce. So they were preparing for her announcement. 
Yeah, that was pretty egregious, man. <laughs> that was pretty lame when they came up with that. If you have a pen close, make a small note of this moment because it's going to be very uh, important later in the show. Important. Important. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm important. All in. Important. Yes. <laughs> all right. So this is why I said Kamala uh, campaign was a corpse, a walking corpse from the very beginning. Because soon as she announced the ADOS crowd, the educated uh, black political crowd that wasn't falling for Obama 2.0 attacked. And they tried to explain that way with Russian bots and uh, all this different it was it was uh, it was bizarre it was bizarre it was because i remember and and this is how you and i kind of got connected when this stuff was taking place it was such mm-hmm. a bizarre lie everybody i mean ados was not uh, an unknown entity at the, even i was catching on to it it was not an unknown entity yet they decided to right then and there to say no this is just bots it's probably the russians you know they're just trying to m- muck it up it was very bizarre that they went that far uh the, on the joy reed show well, they had to give a believable lie where the Democratic Party would believe it. And they were believing anything with Russian bots. Right. Uh, I mean, you could just say anything was a Russian bot and they would buy it. So that was them buying time because without the black support, I'll say this again, she's useless to the Democratic Party. If you can't get that number from 59 to 67 turnout, you're useless. Yes. And she's found that out now. But as with anything, it went from bad to worse. So Kamala does this interview with the griot, which that's important with the about the clip because Now tell me about the griot. In hindsight, it's owned by um the guy's name just slipped my mind. Um Byron Allen. Oh. Okay. Yes, Byron Allen. So in hindsight, mm -hmm. it makes sense. I didn't understand why the grill was pressing Kamala so hard. But like I said, this is right when the election, um, right when her campaign started. And she's questioning about her support for reparations. Do you support reparations for black people? Well, listen, again, we had over 200 years of slavery. We had Jim Crow for almost a, a, a century. We had legalized discrimination, segregation, and now we have it, it, le- segregation and discrimination that is not legal but still exists and is a barrier to progress. We have disparities around housing. We have disparities around education. We have disparities around income. And we have to recognize that everybody did not start out on an equal footing in this country. And in particular, black people have not. And so we have got to recognize that and do something about that and give folks a lift up. That's why, for example, I'm proposing the LIFT Act. Give people who are making $100,000 or less as a family a tax credit, which will benefit and uplift 60% of black families who are in poverty. Right, along with a whole bunch of people who don't fall into the category of reparations, which is always the problem with these programs. Exactly. And if we were going to form a consulting group uh, for politicians, Adam, yes, uh, the 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 Curry Facts uh, <laughs> <laughs> consulting group, never ever 
use the word lift in your anything. Explain the uh, uh, explain concerning the black people. Explain. The, I, I'm going to explain it. Obama tried this. A rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. That dog don't hunt no more. Right, because it it uh, now was this a big uh, campaign promise from uh, from Obama towards African Americans? That was his uh, pacification mechanism. Mm. I'm I'm gonna do something for everybody. You know, I mean, we're all gonna. It's kind of like if I have zero dollars, you have a hundred dollars. I'm gonna give everybody a hundred dollars. Uh, people still have two hundred dollars more. <laughs> we still have a hundred dollars more than me. But this is a talking point, uh, and never ever use it for anybody out there that's gonna run for office. And you're trying to talk to so-called uh, quote-unquote black people. Never ever use the word lips. And that's or tie and that's because Obama rising. Obama used it and it failed massively. It failed massively and it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. And we have I have a clip of Mr. John Kasich. Uh, he speaks on the rising tide. But here's the thing that I believe. Economic growth is not an end unto itself. We have to make sure that everybody has a sense that they can rise. Of course, our friends in the, in the Hispanic community, our friends in the African-American community, the promise of America is that our system, when we follow the right formula, is going to give opportunity for everyone. It's what Jack Kemp used to say, a rising tide lifts all boats, not just some boats, but all boats. Yeah, and it didn't work out for him either. <laughs> no, no. Okay, yes. It went from bad to worse. It went from bad to badder, if that's a word. <laughs> yeah, it and is then, now. <laughs> yeah. And then she had her when keeping it real goes wrong moment of the election. You are watching when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> so by default, it affects black families, but there's not a particular policy for African-Americans that you would explore. But no, if you look at the, the reality of who will benefit from certain policies, when you take into account that they're not starting at, at, at the same place and they're not, stand, they're not starting on equal footing, it will directly benefit black children, black families, black homeowners, because the disparities are so significant. So if we focus on the specific issues that have resulted in the greatest disparities, and we understand that that's part of why we're doing it. Listen, the, the reality also is this. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole and the country. Right? No, wrong. I think she missed her <laughs> missed the whole idea of the whole campaign. Wrong. <laughs> it's right. wrong. Thank you for coming out. God bless you. Good night. <laughs> yeah. Campaign was over at that moment. And that was I cannot believe she said that. Which uh, which interview was that? Did that really get a lot of traction? That was traction. It went viral. Just a little clip. No. <laughs> no. Okay, so that was immediate near out. It just confirms everything that was suspected about her. She's not going to do, um, especially from the ADOS uh, pro reparations crowd. 
how do you not? That's an easy question. The question was, do you I, support reparations? I, I could have answered that properly. Is that, I, yeah, 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 no, of course, it's just for ADOS, not for the whole world. A rising tide lifts all yachts. I mean, boats. Tongue in cheek, as a throwback to the last show, Mary Ann's Williamson's look black, blacker than Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. You're right. Yeah. You can't. You can't do that. And, and like I said, that was that was it. The uh, the boule, the political class, they did everything to try to breathe life back into her, but that was her curtain call. And how long? And, how and, long ago was this? When? When exactly did this take place? Do you remember? That was right after her announcement. Oh, brother. Oh, okay. Well, she was out of the gate. She had no chance. From from the first when she announced, it was like one attack. And I use that word just like loosely attack, but like it was like, boom. Mm. She got hit with the, uh, when she was virtue signaling. Yeah. Let me go back to Howard with my AKA sisters and show how black I am. And then you go on the Griot interview and she asks you specifically, what are you going to do for black people? You give this all tie, um, uh, tie, uh, tie lifts all, a rising tie lifts all boat answer. And then you double down with a, no, I'm not going to do anything for black people. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What a moron. She couldn't sell the cookies. No. I mean, no. <laughs> yes, she could not. This campaign was hers to, to lose and she lost it. There's a common saying in the uh in the woke community of she fumbled the bag. <laughs> the bag mean you have the money, you know, and she she fumbled it. She had it. Yeah. She had everything going. All she had to do was just keep her mouth shut and say, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm gonna do something. Not even quantify it, not even qualify so, it. Yes, I'm you, gonna do, do something. Do you think that um Knowing that she's, uh, you know, that her she's not African American, she's uh, Indian Jamaican. Do you think mm-hmm. that the African Americans were just waiting for her to actually fumble the bag? Do you think that that? I mean, could she actually have ever taken it all the way to the end zone? I mean, it's very hard because she's apparently not that impressively smart. It's it's not easy to go through the whole thing, pander to everybody, and not trip up on this. Do you think that would people just uh, waiting okay. for, just waiting for her to trip up? There was a segment that were just just didn't like her mm-hmm. because she resembled Obama too much, right. and and I, I, in all fairness to her, she was burdened with everything Obama did wrong. Of course, I will give you I will give you that right. But she was there also was she was banking on, but she was banking on it at the same time. So with the good right. comes you the bad. Yeah, you can't you can't take the like you said you can't take the good without the bad. But the mistakes she made were so idiotic. And I think it, it has to be hubris. I mean, she, she has to be intelligent, I mean, in some form of the word, to make it to where she's made it in life. Ooh, well, I think, I think that she just got lazy, Mo. I think things were very easy for her in California. I, I think mm-hmm. she just walked in and out of her, uh, her position and it was just made easy for her. And she didn't have to have her guard up all the time. And uh, she wasn't under so much scrutiny. That's the only the only conclusion. Like again, I I don't know. Maybe she's just not that impressively smart. Maybe she's just dumb. Me and you are podcasters. Me even less than you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I mean by that is I'm I'm a noob. Uh, 
if I ask you, hey, um, Adam, are you going to do something for black people when it comes to reparations? Am I, am I running now or am I podcasting? Yeah, yeah you're, run, you're running. You're running. <laughs> well, of course. Of course we're going to do something for reparations, but only for ADOS. Vote for me. She didn't say, yeah, we're going to do, I'm going to do everything I can, or she said no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was kind of done after that. You're right. No, no, no. We do it for all. Well, that was her whole lift. Oh, my God. I can see all the mistakes now so clearly. It was actually, you're right. It was called the Lift Act. Oh, what an idiot. Yes. <laughs> so, the, wait a minute. So, they actually took a known failed idea from Obama and re-promoted it. A known failed idea. That's a head shaker. I can't, it, it blows me away. I can't get my head, and it's like she threw the fight. I mean, that's the only reason I can, like, like, she didn't want to really do this. Like I, I'm like I'm cool with not being president. Hmm. I really don't want to do, but it's it was it was gift wrapped to her. Yeah. But the boule went to over overdrive and overtime, to trying try and, to, try to and pull fix her it. across, <laughs> trying to pull this this political corpse across the finish line. Drag the body. <laughs> Here we are. Just drag. <laughs> just drag the body, and they blamed it on her lack of blackness. Um. One being Mr. Roland Martin. Donald Trump Jr. is Fredo, and he clearly can't read a bio. All he has to do is go read the bio of Senator Kamala Harris, then you'll understand her background. And so he's probably the dumbest of all the Trump children. But, but here's the real issue here. The attacks on Senator Kamala Harris's blackness really started the moment she announced. And, and where it's really coming from, this is black self-hate cloaked in black self-love. There are people out there who are saying that because she is not a descendant of slaves, she really can't speak to the black experience. They dismiss the fact that she went to an HBCU. They dismiss her actual background. Uh, and that's what the real issue here. There are black people out there who are angry that they say, who say Obama didn't do enough for African Americans. And what they're not doing is demanding really policy questions. They're questioning her blackness. You even have some fools out there who are black especially a lot of black men who are criticizing her because her husband is white. And so I understand that folks are talking about Donald Trump Jr. retweeting this, but really you've got uh, some asinine black folks out there who are the ones who are questioning her blackness and they are shameful and they are despicable and then they should be called out at every turn. Oh man, including this black man here in Texas. I was all over that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shameful <laughs> shameful that i called her out on it my goodness that was rolling what's his who's that again that's the Roland, it's roland martin oh yeah that's the oh, one that, that gave the questions to uh donna brazil oh yeah over and, at cnn and, and then donna brazil gave it to hillary yes oh my goodness yeah there's so, your there's your boule right there and, and he's and he's a greek just just for the record i mean uh so there you have it uh, so even Don Lemon uh, starts to have questions about Kamala Harris being an African-American. So, April, listen, the, the only black woman in the 2020 campaign is fielding questions about race. And I just want to play uh, for you what Kamala Harris said to The Breakfast Club when she was asked about how people on social media are questioning if she's African-American. Another meme says uh, Kamala Harris is not African-American. Her parents were immigrants from India and Jamaica, and she was raised in Canada, not the United States. <laughs> and it said fat. 
Uh-huh. That's exactly. what the meme says. So I was born in Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and raised in the United States, except for the years that I was in high school in Montreal, Canada. And look, this is the same thing they did to Barack. Yes. This is this is not new to us. And so I think that um, we know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do what has been happening over the last two years, which is powerful voices trying to sow hate and division among us. Mm -hmm. And so we need to recognize when we're being played. Wow. You know, my sister, Tiffany, not only born in Uganda, but also her middle name is Nankia. You can't get much more African than that. And still, Mm -hmm. not a black woman. And that's basically the same argument Kamala made, except for a brownish tint of skin. Well, I was born in Oakland. (laughs) That says it all. And uh, Charlemagne the guard, he reads the tweet. It says, and I'm going off memory here. It says, her parents were immigrants. I think that's true. She was raised in Canada. That's loose with the facts, but factually based. But but, but yeah, she did grow have years in America. Yeah, it's weak. And she and she's not African American, and in the sense of the word of African American, no. She's not because we had this conversation before where black switched to African American, which both meant ADOS, right? When used in a certain context. But these people play dumb, these very smart people play dumb. Uh, and then Don Lemon in the next clip presses April Ryan on the African American thing. Yes, yeah, it's a classic clip. I love this one. What do you make of her answer, April? Good for her. Um, you know, let's. there's a lot to unpack here. Number one, what does black enough mean? Can someone give me a definition of what black is enough is? I don't want to go down the road of the stereotype when people say we're black. Number one, she is a black woman. She's a mixed race woman. When you see her, you see her blackness. But she is also South Asian. Her mom is South Asian and her dad is Jamaican. April, she is April, a black April, woman let me, let me, let me l- listen. Yes. More power to her. And I think what? it's great. That is That should be enough. Listen, it is enough that she's a black woman. We are not a model. But no, 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 exactly. no, 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 I think, you, I think like you're that. not, you're not Go hearing ahead. what people are saying. The people who are saying is she black enough, that's bull, that's BS. But to, to, to want a saying. distinction to say, is she African-American or is she black or is she whatever? That what's, there is nothing wrong with that. There is a difference between being African-American and being black. Um, people, people, Latino people are people of color, but they're not black. They're brown people. She is a okay? woman of color, but she is a black woman. Okay, that's she, why I agree with that. I agree with that. But now, is she African American? No, 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 no. But is she African American? There is a difference. There's nothing wrong with that. No one is trying so to take anything away from her. Let's go down, let's go down, let's go down her. into her lineage. Let's I think you're, I think you're falling into a trap of that. All she had to do was say, I am black, but I'm not African American. I got a lot of respect for Don Lemon for doing this, which is probably the the main reason I still put up with him, is for this clip. How did that go over in uh, the black community? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it must have been divided. Some people like, well, that's crap or not. I don't know. I mean, to me, and this is, of course, after you and I had been been talking for a while. I'm like, yeah, go, Mm -hmm. Don Lemon. You're absolutely right. You're calling it and April Ryan is pushing back like like a weasel. And I can only speak for me. Don gained a lot of integrity points because he could have easily 
snowballed it over like Charlemagne did. Right. And, you know, and just kind of went with the flow. But nah, he was like, nah, like, she's not African-American from the sense of the word that you're trying to use it. And April Ryan, let me just give you a little factoid about her. On July 11, 2019, she was inducted as an honorary member of Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Oh, isn't that it's special? Kind of late in life to be yeah, pledging. Yeah. <laughs> she was in. She was uh, shepherded in. Uh, she was brought into the fam. Very nice. Yeah, to the to the sisterhood. Yes. It was like, oh, well, welcome to the club. So, yes. so just to let you know, I mean, they were dragging this corpse as far as it would go because. They had a lot riding on Kamala. If they get her into the White House, they have the access that they didn't have with Obama. Right. Because Obama's like, I don't need you guys. I don't right. need your boule. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, like, my wife is in it, but I mean, I, I mean, he was in a whole different power structure, uh, tapping into a whole different power structure. So he didn't really need these guys. Where if they made and created the candidate like they would have to do with Kamala, she would be, you know, she would owe them one. And then they could cash in their favors. Mm. So this is why they were so tied to her and her winning. But really, that was um, April Ryan was just the last sputtering gasp of reality uh, slipping away there. <laughs> that was it, it, and it was over by then. And she just put another nail in the coffin, really, or with Don. And yeah, and when you have Don Lemon checking you on blackness, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's funny. Wow, man, you got Don Lemon checking you on blackness. Things are bad. <laughs> yeah, just for for who he the, for the gas he's made on, on social media when it comes to uh uh to the you know the, to the conversation that that's real bad for April. Yeah. So now one of the black men <clears throat> that had made comments about Kamala Harris uh, being married to a white man and how that went over was Uncle Luke. Uh, are you familiar with Uncle Luke? No. Uncle Luke. Two live crew. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, you know, it's interesting. Because I was going to say it's either Luke Skywalker or Luke Campbell. Is it, uh, uh, or um, uh, what's, uh, what's Uncle Luke? Is he also Campbell? Yes, it's, yeah, it's also Campbell. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Skywalker Campbell. Yeah, yeah Skywalker. I mean, that, yeah, that, Skywalker, exactly. he's... Yes. So... Yeah, I'm from MTV, Mo. I, I, I know these guys. I, we used to hang. Yeah, I, I, I know you know. <laughs> I was just going to see if... Uh, yeah. used to hang. Wow. I need, I need to Seriously, I, I hung with them outside of Broadway video in New York, and they were coming in, and I was going out, and then we were just, like, chatting for a bit on the street. It was bizarre. So, uh... I don't know what makes him a political pundit, but he was one of the guys that were, he wrote an article about Kamala Harris, uh, the support for her in the black, um, quote unquote, black community and her being married to a white guy, which is a valid point. Um, Not to me personally, but it, I mean, it has to be talked about because just imagine if Obama was married to a white woman, would he have the same support? I don't, I don't think so. So, I mean, it's a valid point of conversation yeah does it matter not really but i think it should be uh it's 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 fair game to have a conversation about but even he had to bow down to kamala if you're not in the game yeah and you're just sitting on the sideline you really don't understand Mm -hmm. the difference the nuances and the Mm -mm. and the struggles of trying to do the right thing for Mm -mm. our people when i wrote the article about you Mm -hmm. you know and i just outlined everything that every 
black man in the barbershop, black woman would talk yeah. about in the conversations. Cause I, and I always go back to it because basically everything that everybody was saying about you, whether she's black enough, uh, uh, does she like black men? She's putting uh, black people in jail. You know, uh, the, the the common things that was actually said. But at the same time, I write that. And I didn't have a conversation with you. When we had the conversation and we talked about it, we talked about the different things. It was almost, and after the conversation, I felt like I was actually certifying you because we were talking about fried chicken and talking about all these different things. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And then we talked about fried chicken, so I certified you. It's good. It's all yeah. good. You, you, you like you, fried chicken, so you... you... <laughs> oh, that's some racist shit right there. This is how low they think of us. Damn. That's horrible. He had valid points when he wrote the article because she was locking up black men. She is married to a white man. Uh, she's not African-American by the definition that we're using it. But yeah, we bonded over fried chicken, so it's all good. Hey, <laughs> um, you know, I've, n- I've never seen her husband. Until the end. I mean, he was, I mean, they posted- <laughs> he was not, not on the campaign anywhere. He was not involved. Uh, I, in fact, I didn't even know if she, she was married at all. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. So they hit him. Is yes, exactly, and then that that wasn't by happenstance either. They were like, "You stay in the car." Yeah, uh, <laughs> you go so, get you go get the fried chicken sandwich that Kamala's gonna eat, and that's your job, right? Yeah, wow. And, and, and this is what they did with her. I mean, even her and uh, Al Sharpton talking with Sylvia. Sylvia Sylvia's like, "Oh yeah, let's take a, eat some soul food and show them, you know, you down." It's like, what in the hell is going on here? I mean. That yeah. doesn't work. As you're going to see later on the show, they have a bunch of these obsolete tricks that they've been running from the uh, 80s, I mean, 90s, and early 2000s, and they just don't work anymore. But Kamala, she just can't get out of her, her own way. Uh, I found this clip <clears throat> of her cooking with Mindy Kaling, uh, Kaling uh, and that's the lady, the Indian lady from the, from the office. Okay, uh, and she's on a cooking show. Yes, they're cooking uh, masala dosa. Tikka, oh, okay, that's which is an Indian dish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> is it respectful to call? Like, I should be calling you Senator Harris, no, right? No, you should not. That's not on my birth certificate. Okay, call, comma. Call me, yes, please. Okay, because the Indian in me. I feel like my parents, just my dad will watch this. Just don't call me auntie. Okay. <laughs> I won't call you auntie. They'll be like, how could you call her by her first name? She's worked so hard. Okay. So what we're going to cook today okay. is an Indian recipe. Yes. Because yes. you are Indian. Yes. yes. Okay. And okay. I don't know that everybody knows that, but I find that wherever I go and I see Indian people at the uh-huh. supermarket, on uh-huh. the street, everyone's like, you know, Kamala Harris is Indian, right? It's like our thing we're so excited about to have you running for president. Yeah. So we're both Indian. Indian, yes. But actually, we're both South Indian. Yes. Um, you look like the entire ha- one half of my family. Now, I think that this was a last ditch effort somewhere to get some poll numbers up because I remember reading an article about Kamala trying desperately to appeal to the Indian American uh, population to just mm-hmm. get her numbers up. And, you know, it's obvious she could do that and witness this interview. And 
And I found, as I was doing some digging, I found some interesting facts. One, on YouTube, they had under the AP archives, mm-hmm. they have Indian Congresswoman sworn in by Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> and that and was Kamala, Kamala Harris. <laughs> and I'm sure you heard of the squad. Yes. Well, of course. Have you ever heard of the Quint? The Quint? No, I'd not heard of the Quint. Yes. That was the five Indian Congress people that were elected into office. And she was one of them. Oh, I didn't know this. How embarrassing. So... She was playing this weird trick. Like I said, she was the intersectional uh, candidate, but she wasn't loyal to one thing. So that was her downfall. Uh, in our, in the black quote unquote community, the black uh, quote unquote black community, however you want to where you want to put the quotes at, uh, when you class classify yourself as something other than black. That's no good. No, and, and uh, Obama it, was very aware of this. Yeah, it, it seems. Yeah, and Obama played it much smarter. Uh, it was also very confusing. You know, was he from Indonesia? Was he from Kenya? Was he from Hawaii? You know, it, there was just a lot of noise out there. Uh, but Kamala, you know, it's it's really interesting. She had everything except the one thing that she was lying about, which is her actual background. If she just just kept it black. Yeah, it'll been fine. Cause one thing about black people, uh, they're very inclusive, uh, and that's why when you classify yourself as non-black, it, um, with us, anything other than black, it's not well received. And we saw this with Tiger Woods when he said he wasn't black. You know that moment when you're thinking something, then someone comes out and just boldly says it? Yeah, it was one of those because it looked like Stephen A. slipped up and said Tiger wasn't black. Well, we don't know what Tiger Woods believed. He's Camblin Asian. He's not black. When he got arrested, he was black. He was listed as black on the report. So let's understand that. But did you really get it? Listen again. Well, we don't know what Tiger Woods believed. He's Camblin Asian. He's not black. He's not black. He's not black. He's not black. The way he moved on so quickly from he's not black to the one drop rule tells me that it was a Freudian slip. But on a lighter note, I guess this means Comedy Central will have to reinstate the Chappelle show to do over the racial draft because Tiger Woods was drafted to be black. Black delegation. <laughs> Shoot Tiger Woods. No surprises there, uh. It's not looking like we'll get any more of this anytime soon. So long, fried rice. Hello, fried chicken. <laughs> so um, if you had asked me on any given day, I've, of course, not looked into his background. I would have said, yeah, Tiger was black to me. But I, uh, let's hear more about him. Well, he didn't he didn't identify as not being black. He identified as Cambalasian or what? Cabalasian. Yeah. It, uh, which is... If, it's weird amalgamation of it's ca- black yeah, and... It's Cablination, which is Caucasian, Black, American, Indian, Asian. Because Cabli- I listened to it, and as I was hearing that clip, I'm like, did he say Kamala Nation? That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> like, Kamala Nation? Wow, that's interesting. Uh-huh. No, Cablination. So he's a, a mixture of stuff. Yeah, so he was basically, he got counseled for that. Because, I mean, we drafted him in the race draft. Uh, but when he came out with that statement, he got canceled. 
and it's this weird thing called the one drop rule. I mean, we talked about it on the show before, yes, so this have. is a throwback clip. Uh, we had Dr. Yaba Blay on CNN with Don Lemon, and she explains the one drop rule. Explain what the one drop rule is. The one drop rule historically, also known as the rule of hypo descent, was really instituted to protect whiteness. Right. It was a way for the white majority to be able to name and incite who was white. So it was one drop, which is one thirty second. One thirty second of Negro or African blood would make that person Negro or African, whatever the classification they used at the time. I hear people say we're in a post-racial society. The reality is, in order to get beyond something, you have to understand it, right? Mm -hmm. And where in your education, where have you been required to learn about race? They don't teach it. No, it is the foundation of this country. We have to talk about race. We have to talk about racial difference. It is just a flat out lie for us to believe that we've moved beyond race. Right. And we remember this, the one drop rule. Yeah. So that's why I'm always careful when I say black or I say quote unquote black or refer to as a community because black is not a race. No, Af- African-American is a race. ADOS. Yes, that, that's why I was excited about the term ADOS because it's more accurate than the term black. And I was talking to my mom. I was like, mom, when do we become black? Because... And she was like, it was around like the seven, late 60s, 60s, mid 60s, early 70s, because before we were referred to an intergroup as Negro. Negroes, yeah. Right. That was the term, but then it was too close. So then they came up with black, and then black morphed into well, also American, I, which is like these brands. It's like, I mean, how, how, it's not a culture, it's I, a brand. Right. I, and I would say that, that the brand black probably came about. Uh, through entertainment in the 70s because you know that's when we had really black people on tv in the movies you know we had cleopatra Mm -hmm. jones and we had you know shaft and all all you know black 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 so that was and it was being uh, positioned that way i'm sure i mean i i i lived it so it had an impact like our last show the black exploitation movies i mean that the media i mean it was pushed through the media and it was kind of kind of stuck but one of my uh, go-to YouTubers, uh, Chronicles of Judah, he has his take. I want you to hear his take on so-called black people. Black is not a race. And a lot of so-called black people, and I'll probably be covering this in another video, a lot of fake pro-blacks and liberal blacks are upset with Tiger Woods for stating that he's Cobblin' Asian. First off, whenever you're dealing with people who have multiple lineages in regards to racial lines, there's always going to be an inward struggle within them. So-called black people, I've said this in the past, American blacks love to act as if they're going to liberate people in regards to their racial understanding. And so-called American blacks have the lowest level of racial understanding of any race. Uh, Our people are the only people who try to force everyone else to accept that their race is a color and they have no idea what the hell they're talking about ever in life on that subject. This is what liberal blacks and pro-blacks do. This is why I always tell you, brothers, pro-blacks are really pro-white. They take the so-called white man's ideologies and they try to blackenize them. The so-called Caucasian stated that if you have, quote unquote, one drop of black blood, that means that you're black, quote unquote. And what pro-blacks do is they try to enforce that on our people as opposed to saying that's not correct. All right. Now I'm confused. Now I don't know what to think. It's about culture, not color. And that's the reason why I brought this up is this is the problem that Kamala ran into. Right. It's just not something you could put on like a jacket and say, oh, I'm black. You know, I mean, no, 
there's nuance to conversations. That's like saying white. You, uh, you got you got to have been to the barbecue. Right. <laughs> and, and it's just like when you go to Germany, when I mean, you go to Europe and you say you're white, like what part of Europe are you from? Right. Are you German? Are right. you right. Uh, right. British? Are you know, so it's it's very and that's why I put that that clip in here because that's why I was so excited about ADOS because it clearly identified who we who we are and it separated us from this monolithic black. And I'm not a big uh fan of the word black because and can I get a theremin, please, for this next clip? <laughs> oh, well, you're calling in the big guns here. Hold on. All right. <laughs> you know we're going wookie. <laughs> and when the theremin gets pulled out. <laughs> All righty. All right. So we have Miss uh, Alizon uh, Psychic. Uh, and she explains, uh, she's a white witch. Uh, white, not color. White is in the type of magic she does. Um, she explains uh, the color black. Hello there, I'm Alison from AlisonPsychicSecrets.com. I'm a white witch, spellcaster, and psychic. I want to talk about the color black and its meaning. Black is not strictly a color, as it is the absence of all color. It absorbs all aspects of light. Black is viewed as a mysterious, secretive, and hidden color and has many negative connotations. Black can be very protective for people suffering from low self-esteem, low moods, or other mental health issues. They use the color black to protect them from the outside world and hide away their true feelings and emotions. Great care should be taken not to use too much of the color black for clothing and decor as it is very draining and depressing. <laughs> Although the meaning of black has some negative connotations, it does in fact enhance any positive elements given by other colors. <laughs> so wearing black with another color will promote and strengthen the benefits of that color. Wow, that's some deep shit right there. Okay, let me... Do- <laughs> so first of all, just by hanging out with you, it makes me look better. That's what I just heard in that clip. Um, that explains the one drop rule that yes and it explains a lot of things but also i i would encourage you when you have time to go back to your mom and get into Mm -hmm. that a little bit deeper because this switch from negro to black uh you know it it didn't just happen it was pushed it was it was uh, meant to be uh and Mm -hmm. and yes there's a lot of negative connotation with it and quite honestly it doesn't fit uh, african americans uh universally across the board you're not all black as night yeah because we're all different shades i mean you got people look people like kamala harris's complexion mm-hmm. is accepted as black and then you have you know what I'm saying people that are actually closer to the shade of black is represented as black Th- this is actually a great example of mass hypnosis where we look at a person who is brown and we say oh yeah he's black i mean that is how crazy it is when you think about it Mm -hmm. and when you listen to the alizon the witch i say that respectfully Mm -hmm. um the meaning of the cut the depression and it's like is that dark it's bad it's no good and my favorite though makes every other color look good (laughs) 
yeah. I, 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 the reason why I stacked those clips together like that from Chronicles of Judas going into her is it's this weird juxtaposition of the white to black. Now you're not white. I mean, by color. Yeah. I'm I'm from I'm, I grew up in Europe. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're European. I mean, so you it means a bunch of different ways you could quanti- uh, qualify yourself. But no, 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 us is black. But I digress on that point. But I just wanted, I saw opportunity there to just address no, I, that. And, I, and I, um, I really appreciate that. And I think uh, Al is on the psychic. Uh, again, for a future MoFax, let's uh, bookmark that. I wouldn't <laughs> mind looking at that transition from uh, Negro to black because there's a lot. That, that changed a lot in culture. A lot. A lot. And there's a definite, and a definite correlation of the of the quote-unquote races standing with the acceptance of that word. But I, like I said, I digress on that. Um, so the question was asked, we're at the end of her campaign, and there's a question, why did she fail to gain traction? To talk about what happened to Senator Harris's campaign and what her departure does to the race, I'm joined by Chelsea Janes of The Washington Post. Chelsea, thanks so much for joining us. We began, the Democrats began this campaign season with an historically diverse field of candidates. As things stand now in the next debate, the uh, PBS NewsHour Politico debate, you're going to have six candidates on the stage, all of them white, four white males, two white women. What does that say about what's happening in this race? It's certainly striking. And today we've seen a lot of candidates and, and you know, pundits and, and people in that world take to Twitter and, and point that out. You know, I think it's it's disappointing to a lot of people who, um, you know, in these underrepresented groups that, that looked at someone like Kamala Harris and said, you know, that's the first person to look like me who's going to have a shot at this. And, and to have it whittled down as it has, um, I think, you know, on the one hand, you had the most diverse field in history. And on the other, um, it's it's not shaping up to remain that way. And I, you know, I think there's a lesson to be learned there. What it is, um, is far above my pay grade. But I, I do think that um, it's really disappointing to a lot of people um, in an increasingly versed Democratic electorate who hope that they would see somebody different uh, represented this time around. Now, and just to be clear on this, what we're talking about is these rules that have been set in place by the um election committee or the debate committee mm-hmm. or whatever it is as to who is allowed to be in the debates and they've set these these levels and you know whatever it is based upon polling and so that's why people are cut out you know not for any other reason other than the television decided we're not going to put them on as we talk about on the show often you have no money you can't buy no ads <laughs> You are not invited to the party. Right. <laughs> yes. Goodbye. So, yeah. <laughs> very Thank you simple. for coming out. That's very Thank simple. You. Yeah, and and that is one of the one of the actual qualifications for the debate is uh, is money raised. You're you're so right. You, yeah, you ain't, you no money. Well, we don't want you near our TV, our advertising system because it's kind of built in. Yeah, you're buying ads, but. It's kind of like you buy the ads and you get the news coverage for free kind of situation. Shh, don't let anyone know, Mo. <laughs> no one knows how I'm it works. I'm it all. <laughs> Coming away the secrets. Right. So, so Kamala, we're going back to the view now with oh, uh, Sunny and when we started out here with the original clips. And the topic of the black vote comes up. 
your point, Sonny. All of the front runners have one thing in common. They're all white. Yeah. So um, you, 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 everybody says that you cannot get the Democratic nomination without the black vote. Yeah. So what's going to happen to the Democrats now that we have all white faces up there? Well, well, I think when you when you look behind the numbers for black voters, one of the things that that is going on is that black voters think that there was a black. A, I don't want to speak for all black voters, but looking at the statistics and looking at some of the reporting, black voters don't think that um, someone like Kamala Harris had a good chance of electability, had a good chance of winning. Hmm. Really? Bull crap. <laughs> yeah. They're throwing everything at this. At this. Oh, well, she didn't get the votes because they thought uh, Joe Biden had a better chance or... Bernie Sanders had no. She sucked as a candidate. Just own it. But we know why Sonny can't say that. Yeah, is because she's a card carrying member of the AKA. of the of the AKA slash Boule um, sisterhood. Um, so she can't just say Kamala sucked <laughs> because I'm sure they probably just kind of try to repackage her for 2024. Uh, go back and you know, do the autopsy and figure out where they went wrong and, you know, and repackage her. This is when That's they... Kamala this is, wants to be black anymore. I mean, is, she might have <laughs> say, you know what? This is, this is when they I'm need... i good with being Indian. They need to hire us for 2024. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll tell them what to do. First thing is, don't run Kamala. Yes, uh, <laughs> not going to work, not going to happen. What? No, never, never. I could have won with her. I know that sounds arrogant, but I could have... Just shut up. Just don't <laughs> just say nothing. Just be quiet and wave and you'll be fine. No. It's like, okay, okay yeah, you got it. <laughs> All right, got it. So there's a reckoning to be had, not only amongst the political class, uh, amongst the Boulay talking heads. So there was this weird, not weird occurrence, but this timely uh, happening that I noticed, as I always understand, this is what I do. When I notice things, I draw the connection between them. Tom Joyner is signing off after 25 years on the radio. Yes, and this is uh, that's quite a momentous event uh, since you know he's he's been a, quite a tour de force in radio, and I'm a radio guy, and uh, mm-hmm. I was a big fan until you uh, uh, unpeeled uh, the the. <laughs> The scales from my eyes to see the boule that he uh, possibly is, was. But mm-hmm. what I understand is he was leaving radio pretty much because they just weren't paying him anymore. They just they said, well, you know, it's some uh, radio in general has issues, of course. Podcasting is killing it. Uh, but it's not dead by a long shot. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. But they just kept paying him less and less and less. And the way I understood what I read in the interviews, he said, well, you know, it just didn't make sense for me to do it anymore. I have other reasons that I believe why he resigned. Let's get into Tom Joyner signing off. Radio Giant has or is signing off this morning after a legendary career. 70-year-old Tom Joyner is the host of America's number one syndicated urban morning show. The Tom Joyner Morning Show airs in more than 105 markets nationwide, reaching nearly 8 million listeners. Well, today at 10 a.m. Eastern, the show goes off the air. Unbelievable. Uh, Isn't that what Charlemagne has? Doesn't he have about 8 million people listening? 
Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm thinking of it like a radio guy, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, no, no. This is, of course, this is where it's a replacement. Tom Joyner, too. His nationally syndicated radio show hit the airwaves in 1994 with a certain audience in mind. We do a show for for African-Americans. That's what we do. This is just so fascinating. In 2000, Joyner discussed his influence with 60 Minutes correspondent Leslie Stahl. 1996, the election. Yeah. I've heard that you were responsible for registering a quarter of a million black voters. I've been given that credit. Politicians, they mm-hmm. call you? Oh, they yeah. want to come on? Yeah. They think that if they want to reach African Americans that vote, they, the come, they can come to this show. How does the message that you were talking about in 2000 resonate with 2019 mm. as we go into the 2020 election. It was different then. I think yeah. we're more woke then than now. In 2000. In 2000. Ooh, I, I feel a little pain there with Mr. Joyner. So let me get it straight. We're w- more woke with less information. It's It's amazing, isn't it? I don't buy that. No. It's like they were easier to control back then. It was like yeah. they didn't have all these damn <laughs> smartphones and internet and YouTube and MoFat clipping stuff and putting it together. <laughs> and, and this is very interesting uh, because he was getting credit for um, uh, the black vote really coming out or at least a significant portion of it. Uh, that's what you just heard in the clip. Mm-hmm. Um he competes directly with the Breakfast Club, does he not? Isn't that a direct competition? Isn't it? He does a morning. Doesn't he? Is it just mornings that Joiner does? Yeah, but demographic difference. Yes. I would say he's thirty-five up. Yeah. Okay, Boomer. And Breakfast Club is, <laughs> and Breakfast Club is um thirty-five under. Yeah, that's the audience you want. So it was just a demographic thing. He wasn't pulling it anymore. Just. Time to retire him out to pasture, I guess. Yeah, you know more good. You, uh, and you see, he said, I was the, basically, I was the Charlemagne before Charlemagne. That's what he was saying in Pretty 2000 and yep. 96. Yep. The candidates had to stop by here. Um, I gave him a stamp of approval, told black people who to vote for. And I keep making this point. Black radio is so powerful. Because you have, it's a free it's free entertainment. So poor people uh, who are, who happen to be black can tune in. It doesn't cost them anything. And then you're in your car. So you're a captive audience because this is the top. It's the drive time. You, right. you know this more. Yep. You know this better than I do. So now you have me cap captured because. Where, depending on where you live and I live in a major. Uh, well, I live near a major city, Washington, D.C., you still only have like two to three black radio stations. Right. So, I mean, uh, you're going to get caught by the message. So, and then when you have things like radio one that buys up most of the radio stations, yeah, uh, you're pretty much going to be indoctrinated with the message that they want to push. Uh, that's what made our Tom Joyner, Joyner so powerful. But now that campaigns are targeting younger voters, it's not that he, he changed. It's how campaign who campaigns target. 
because I'd, I'd really love to know, not for this show, we can look at a different mm-hmm. time, where podcasting mm-hmm. fits into that. Um, cause, you know, you have the read and you got other, other podcasts. Um, and if they're actually taking away the African-Americans who are listening to the radio, I, I wonder if that's happening. I went, I don't, I just, for me, I don't think it may be a direct competition for its time slot. It's about information. And if you have to look at ADOS, it was a podcast moot podcast slash social movement. Right, right, media right, movement. right, right. Correct. So it's like, now we're hearing new information. You know, it's like, oh, it's like a whole new world where now before you had BT, Black Radio, Jet Ebony, that was pretty much the main veins of black information. Right. Uh, so, well, Tom Joyner is passing the torch now, though. Somebody <laughs> scooped us. The <laughs> press release is supposed to be <laughs> coming out in a few minutes. But the new morning show that's going to replace the Tom Joyner morning show. <gasps> Say hi to Ricky Smiley. Good morning. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Ricky. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay. Okay. I, I appreciate you. Thank you for dinner. Thank you for everything. <laughs> okay. We got someone new on the scene. Younger. Well, obviously, Ricky Smiley. Where does he come from? He's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes from, uh, like I said, he's a comedian. A radio, I mean, he, he's been on the radio, but now he's taking that Tom slot from Tom Joyner, so they hope to go younger. They're putting the boomers out the pasture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's listen to Ricky Smiley talk about Kamala Harris when she was running. Hey, what up? This is your boy, Ricky Smiley. Hey, you know one thing I do? I always support Greeks. And, uh, Whoa. hey, I remember meeting this Delta. A uh, member of Delta Sigma Theta, her name was Keisha Lance Bottoms. And she walked up to me at the radio station. She said, what up, bruh? I said, oh, you saw Ross? I said, you just saw Ross? She said, yeah. And, you know, she told me her name, introduced herself, her name in her chapter. I said, what you got going on? She said, I'm running for mayor of Atlanta. I said, okay. What's, I said, that's what's, that's what's up. I said, what are we going to do? She said, we're going to do it. Got behind her, so she came on the morning show, and we made some great things happen. So one thing about us Greeks, most of us stick together. Now, I want everybody to go and support Kamala Harris. She is our senator, United States senator out of California, HBCU graduate, and she is representing Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, possibly... You know, if she win, she would be uh, the first woman president, first black woman president and a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Wow. So this guy's all over it. He is, in fact, boule. Yes. Him and Tom Joyner both are members of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity. Oh, my goodness. Mo, we got to get you in the morning radio, man. We got we got to get some new information out. There's some some real voices. This is this is despicable. Now, when you go back to Steve Coak- uh, Steve Coakley's clip, when he's talking about that web, yeah. now you see it. Yes, sir. Now, now we're seeing the web. I mean, you can't get away from it. But the problem is, there's the market is widening. There's new people coming in. You have Black Lives Matter, which is not of the boule of they they're getting they're getting their support from a different vein mm-hmm. uh 
and then you have people like the ADOS and the Foundational Blacks and non-affiliated people that are spreading information. And I keep telling everybody that there's this political maturation process going on amongst quote-unquote black people. And we're seeing the effects of it now. Well, I'm so happy. First of all, I'm happy for this show. Um, but, you know, there's you're right. There's a lot of alternative voices out there. And maybe it's just a little slower to catch on. But, man, we gotta people got to know about these, uh, these morning radio show guys, just as one example, mm-hmm. of course. But holy crap. Yeah, it's not good. People are getting worried, though. And when I mean say people, the members of the black political class, the ones, the gatekeepers, the one that used to deliver our vote, they were scrambling after the Kamala Harris uh, meltdown. Right. One being the Senator Warren staffer, Alicia, Alicia Johnson. Two. It just sucks that billionaires can kick really good women, especially black women, out of a campaign. Development last week was Senator Harris's exit from the race. She was the only black woman running. Uh, What impact, Alencia, you discussed this a little bit, um, did did her run have on you personally? What was going through your mind when you saw that news? I mean, honestly, any black woman in a leadership position is someone that not only do I look up to as someone who is going to break barriers for the, the career that I have, or but in general, to the plight of black women, right? Like, that is the highest achievement for a black woman is to become president of the United States, right? And she's only the third to, to run. Um, so whether or not I, I worked for, obviously I didn't work for her, um, as a black woman in politics removed from uh, campaigning, it is hard to see that. It is hard to see that this could be the greatest achievement for a black woman to accomplish. And so personally, it was hard. And it was hard for, I think, a lot of us, even yeah. us on the state. Like, we have a group text, and we're all like, today, we literally were all like, today is really, really hard. And these are women working for Bernie? Warren. For Warren. And yet, oh, so sad that, that uh, Kamala get, got uh, booted out? It's the sisterhood. <sighs> it's the, they have to reevaluate their value. If we can't get you the black vote, what is my value to the Democratic Party? Right. And that goes for radio hosts. That goes for staffers. That goes for politicians. That's Kamala Harris. Wow. Uh, Wait a minute. So is, is the whole system now getting blamed for Kamala not making it? Instead of actually just blaming Kamala for not being good, everyone else is getting the blames? Like, okay, time to ch- switch it up. We got to get the old the old radio guy out. We got to move these people around. You're no good. You failed. Is that what's happening? Yeah, yes. What, <laughs> what's the point? What's the point of having you around if you can't do your one job? Right. Your one job is get that, that turn voter turnout. And I, I suspect how this conversation goes. I'm not privy to information, but it's inferred that, hey, we're at 59. We had to be at 67 to win. We're going in the wrong direction. Right. Uh, that's why you're seeing a changing of a guard. Uh, and you're going to see a lot of heads roll. Uh, one being... Joy Reid, tell I, me she's going to get cut. NBC, MSNBC attacks black voters one. 
So one of the things that you talk about, and both in the report, and I've spoken with you about this before, is pushing out in negative information about a candidate that's been selected, you know, to be targeted, to turn black voters against them. But it's who they're using as the voice, quote unquote, the digital voice, are supposedly also black people who are spreading that message. And here's what you write about these about fake accounts that are not necessarily really black people, but oh, who man. seem to be black people who are saying, hey, Kamala's a cop or this person is bad for black people. Quote, the, uh, fake accounts pretending to be black women matter, not only in the disinformation campaigns, but in every election. There has been a constant number, you write, of fake accounts posing as black women since 2013. These fake accounts, which pretend to be black women, seem to be real people with real concerns. They connect with the av American black community on online attempting to learn black vernacular and key issue areas what will be the point of creating fake accounts who appear to be black women specifically wow hold on is this a new clip or is this back to the ados or bots is when was this recorded last week oh my goodness they're doing this again that's joy reed doing uh, that again, again. Wow. yes with the same with the same woman oh, oh what is her man. name yeah uh, uh, Black bots, uh, where yet? Sharin, uh, I know it's Sharin, but yeah, it's the same yeah, Shireen, woman. Sharin Mitchell, Sharin Mitchell, Sharin Mitchell, yes. Wow, and, and wait I'm, I'm gonna read to you. I have a screenshot of the screen. Yes, this is oh, this, oh, I'm, oh. this is nuts. Report <laughs> disinformation targets and actors, they have a list of disinformation campaigns. ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, Blexit, Tangibles, uh, Foundation of Black Americans, Black Voices for Trump, and Walk Away. Well, holy crap. I know ADOS is real because, you know, I've followed it. I've been, I'm involved. I've, I, I see Tone and everybody. I Cynthia, I know what's going on. Uh, uh -huh. Blexit is uh, Candace Owens. She's, yes. she's real. Now, uh -huh. Whatever Turning Point USA has to do with it, I don't know. No, I don't Tangible. Try to, Tangible's I don't, Foundation of Blacks. That's the uh, Tariq Nasheed's operation yeah. that was juxtaposed to um, ADOS. Right. Well, Which is real. I mean, he's real. It's real. Yeah, you can't, you can't argue. So now, so let me just understand. So uh -huh. now the the message is that they were, that they, who was duped by these fake black uh, women accounts. What what was the what are they saying now? What what is the point? They're of saying stay away from them. They're saying stay away from. Them. Uh, and then on the other side of the screen, they have list of issues targeting black voters: reparations, criminal justice, climate change, immigration. And so, whenever you see something tweeting that out, it's obviously a bot. Is that the yes? <laughs> Anything they talk about tangible <laughs> reparations. Criminal justice. Oh my God! Well, climate change—that might be a bot. I mean, <laughs> well, but that's so desperate, Mo. That this is desperation when they're throwing this out. I mean, that is—I'm sorry, you can't cut it any other way. Someone said, "Holy crap, we got a problem! All hands on deck. We just got to tell them to step away from that shit because they, we can't—we can't have them thinking that way." Double down on the bots. Gosh. MSNBC attacks black voters too. 
because if we know, as we've seen, that the 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 ones who are the most uh, valuable to the Democratic Party is black women. We have identified at least five existing campaigns that are focused on getting black people to do only one thing, what, what not, if, not vote for the Democrats. And can you name one of those five campaigns? I mean, we, we put up from the report that you're saying that, rep, that this, there's a conversation about reparations that has to do with it. There's a criminal justice cam, uh, uh, conversation. Yes. There's an so immigration. Go on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reparations, immigration, and um, and and um, sorry, reparations, immigration, and anything that has to do with the criminal justice system. So the reason that the the targeting of Kamala around being um, a cop is important is because anything that's, that that hinges on criminal justice becomes a divisive issue. Very quickly, we're out of time, but how can people tell the difference between the real, genuine thing of Black Lives <laughs> Matter and the ones that are just designed to make you not vote? How do you even tell? So it's, you can tell right away by the by the language that they use most of the time. But if if you see anyone who says basically tangibles or or uh, you you're not getting our vote without us getting something back, mm-hmm. uh, you should start to pause and take a better look at what they're saying. Better look at those those accounts and seeing what they're saying. Wow, it's mind boggling. That is so desperate. <sighs> We're black bots, man. Oh my goodness. And, and, and me and you, you in it, you in it too, down. Oh hell you yeah! Oh, I've been <laughs> to, I've been to the bot barbecue. I'm telling you, this is insane. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> oh, I got you on that one. This is insane. But it's so pathetic. Literally, literally, the issues that African Americans should be most interested in, you're being told to ignore because that's fake news. That's bots blown away if you ask for anything in exchange for your vote you're not real oh my goodness oh you know mo um (laughs) i think this particular episode of this show surpasses journalistic integrity from every single so-called um like the paper of record they haven't done a deconstruction of kamala like this no one has been honest about what is actually happening or what happened to her. I mean, we know that it's hard for any mainstream media outlet to say, well, you know, you know, Hillary Clinton just sucked as a candidate. Uh, she certainly won't admit it. So we're going through the same with Kamala. But it's worse when you get this is pure racist propaganda from black women, uh, you know, African-American or not, but their skin color is black. So you could you might mm-hmm. mistake them for someone who's on your side. It's really it's bizarre. It's, and in fact, I'm using these two clips on no agenda. They're that, I mean, they're good. <laughs> this is what a great catch. So congratulations on just really pulling this together, because this is something that not only is it necessary from a journalistic standpoint that someone actually fairly look at what happened. But I think it's good for the for the voters to get informed. People, if you made it to the end of the show and you're hearing us here, you've got to turn other people on to this. You've got to have people listen to what happened here. This is, I mean, I'm going to say, this is un-American what's happening here. And I'm a little angry. <laughs> I feel my, my stomach is like, oh, I don't like this at all. That's crazy. That That's some disinformation. It's un- unbelievable. But I'm not angry because the harder they work, 
it only tells me how valuable my vote is. Gold. It's pure gold, my friend. It's like when somebody gets mad at you because you won't sell them something. Yeah. It's like, sell it to me, man. Sell it. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) take my money. (laughs) Right. Like, no, uh uh-uh. No, 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 no. And especially since we know that the whole system has been set up to target black women uh, because the men are no good. The men got, you got crazy ideas. Like you, you like the, you know, you've, you've been energized by uh, Donald Trump. Oh no, no, no. We have to mm-hmm. go. We have to get the, the, the black women, African-American women are the ones who are going to save us and keep these votes in here. And now you're doing this. <laughs> do you think people fall for this? Do people see through this at this point or is it still? And by the way, how many black women watch MSNBC? I'd love to see the the numbers just in general. Just cuz you put some black women up there doesn't mean people watch it or they or they fall for it. Do you know? Do you have any idea? Is this a I I, I don't have very little idea, but this is these are the think tanks. Yeah, it's just we one know example. What black people yeah. want, you know, let's put up a let's put up a and it, it, I'm gonna say this. Let's put up a dark-skinned woman, you know, uh, and they'll believe her. Right. They'll believe her. And that's why I don't think, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to wrap on this point. I don't think Kamala Harris will make a good VP because she's not your stereotypical black woman. This is, this is, how, this is identity politics. This is what it is. Yeah. This is what it is. And, and, and they're going to be looking for, I mean, you know who I told you was going to be the VP. Oh, oh yeah, St- Stacey uh, Abrams, of course. Stacey Abrams, because yeah. she fits the bill. Yeah. So this is, I mean, it's sick in one way, but then as the harder they try, it it only just uh, emboldens me that I'm on the right track, and I'm telling everybody whether it be labeled bot or not, do not vote unless you get something for your vote. Now, I'm sending this episode to the Smithsonian Institute. I want to make sure it's preserved for many years from now because this is a seminal moment in this election where we have uncovered the insaneness of going after the African-American vote and how that's being done. And I appreciate the work you put into this, Mo. This is fantastic. And I'd like to remind everybody that uh, we do this because we like each other and we have fun doing it, but we really would appreciate you showing the appreciation of the work that went into this. We call it the value for value system. Did you learn anything? First thing you got to do is you got to turn someone else onto this because I think this episode in particular is important as I explained, uh, but also send us something in exchange for that value. And mofax.com is the website. You can go direct into the uh, funding portion by going to mofundme.com, M-O-E fundme. Dot com And Mo, I can only say once again, thank you for a stellar job. And as I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. And we know that is a fact. It shows up every single time. Keep your eyes open. We will be back uh, probably just after Christmas with another edition of Mo Facts. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.
gonna 